2: I'm Caroline. And I'm
1: Anna. And this is
2: Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. Hello. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seriously. We're going to go straight in with some of your emails, starting with this one from Matthew, who titles his email Seriously Fanboying good subject line matthew and says hi caroline and anna i just want to say i'm a huge fan of your podcast i particularly enjoyed the discussions of disney pixar's inside out the in-depth arguments over harry potter's deficient democracy incidentally we haven't talked about harry potter for ages Mm -hmm. i feel like maybe we should rectify that and the recommendations of my mad fat diary and broad city the latter has since become one of my favorite comedy shows which is really nice to hear and then he adds might i suggest you talk about parks and recreation which in my view is the greatest comedy series ever made which is interesting because I don't know about you, but I've watched, I think, the first three episodes of Parks and Recreation and I really struggled with it. I found it a bit dull.
1: I think I've only seen one episode of Parks and Rec in full. I don't really remember what I thought about it. So I think maybe it's time for us to take another chance. Yeah, I think we
2: should have another go, especially since I've been told by a friend of mine who really, really loves it that almost the whole of the first series, if not the first half of the first series, is not amazing. And then like a lot of TV shows, it meandered away from what it had originally been pitched as and became brilliant because of that. But that you sort of need to get through that bit first before
1: you can watch the rest of it or something well people are always saying to me like oh you like the office and you like broad city like this is a kind of the kind of thing you'd really really enjoy the Office US, that that first season sticks quite strictly to The Office UK's scripts in the first season, and like for that it's not very good, because it actually just needs to become its own quite mm. different show. So if you watch the first three episodes of The Office US, you might not be like, oh, this is a brilliant show, and it is like a brilliant, brilliant show. Mm. Perhaps.
2: Yeah, so maybe we should... Uh, go in for push a random series or something. Push through, and also, I mean, I've seen quite a lot of GIFs on Tumblr of, is it Ron, one of the characters in yeah. Parks and Rec, Ron? Yeah. Um, and he looks amazing, so...
1: Yeah, and also, aren't you a bit of an
2: Amy Poehler fan? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so... So I don't know why I don't like it. But anyway, thank you very much for your email,
1: Matthew, and we'll definitely give that a proper go. And we've had an email from Dale, who says, Hello, I wondered if you had seen the speculation about Harry slash 1D's response to Taylor Swift's style in their new song, Perfect. Dale? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah, I think, basically, context for people who don't know what this is, Taylor Swift had a single called Style. A really with, brilliant single. Yeah, very catchy chorus, which I personally feel like has a lot of One Direction references in. So Style, Harry Styles, Taylor Swift and Harry Styles dated for three months in like the end of 2012, beginning of 2013. There are other things in there about them driving around. In, in There's paparazzi shots similar to what they're singing about in the song. One of the things that I think is really interesting is the refrain. It's just her singing like the bridge is her singing Take Me Home over and over and over again, which is the name of a One Direction album as we all know, and then One Direction have just released a song called Perfect with a very similar sounding chorus. Yeah, musically it's very similar. Very, very similar, like sort of structurally and just in how it sounds, and that sometimes songs can be similar and you don't realise, but like everyone was like, this sounds a lot like Taylor Swift's style. Style is about, like, a perfect relationship that's, like, completely unachievable. So she's, like, saying, oh, we'll never go out of style. Like, you look like James Dean, I look like the classic girl. And it's all a bit like, actually, this isn't, this is never real. Mm. There's a reason this sounds like a movie and not like real life. Perfect is the same thing. So it's this, you know, completely perfect sounding relationship. And then the bridge kind of undercuts that and says, like, oh, but this is obviously unachievable. And there are lots of little references to Swift in there. I think that's really interesting, the way the songs are like kind of in conversation, basically. And I think it's really cool. Has there been any explicit confirmation of that? No, um, and I kind of think it's a bit boring to be like, oh, is this about Taylor Swift? Yes or no. Because I'm kind yeah. of like, is, it, does it matter whether it's yeah. about Taylor Swift or not? Whether in, they've intentionally been like, oh, we'll make this song about Harry and Taylor's relationship. What they have done is kind of made a song that talks to another song. Mm. And I think that's really cool.
2: Mm. I quite like the song as well. Me too. I love the song. Um, It was
1: really good. I think it's one of their best new ones. I haven't, I I, kind of listened to the other two singles off their upcoming album, but this one I actually really like.
2: Mm. So the first thing we're going to talk about this week is the new film, The Lobster, which is a really, really strange film. I'm just going to say right (laughs) off the bat. I've seen it described as like a dating dystopia, which I think is probably quite a good description for it. It's quite complicated. So before we start saying what we think of it, maybe we should just outline roughly the world it sits in. It's a world that looks quite a lot like our own but has this key difference that you are not allowed to be alone ever. Everyone must be in a couple. So if your partner dies or leaves you or anything, you have 45 days to find someone else and become a a couple. Otherwise you get turned into an animal, basically. So the main character, David, is played by Colin Farrell and his girlfriend, partner, wife we never really meet her, has just left him, so he has checked into this special hotel, which is supposed to help him find another partner in the 45 days allotted. Have you ever been on your own before? No, never. Your last relationship lasted how many years? Twelve. Sexual preference? Women. Any children? No. And the dog? No. This is my brother. He was here a couple of years ago, but he didn't make it. (laughs) Good morning. 44 days left. Breakfast is served. As you understand from your brother's experience, if you fail to fall in love
0: with someone during your stay here, you'll turn into an animal.
2: Yeah, that's that's basically the setup. It all kind of goes from there. It's a really, really black comedy Mm -hmm. and it's really dark and quite uncomfortable at times. What did you make of it?
1: Someone I went to see it with said it was a bit like Black Mirror. Yeah, I did have that but feel sort of about it. Kind of on acid, because it's more, it's more stylized than Black Mirror. And Black Mirror is already quite stylized, but everyone speaks in a very specific tone, which mm. is quite void of emotion. Uh, almost a bit Wes Anderson y, the, the speech patterns, but not quite, because they don't speak very fast yes. and they speak very deliberately. I and...
2: overheard someone on the way out of the cinema saying that he thought
1: it was like shit Wes Anderson. Oh, really? So you're not <laughs> the only
2: person to have thought that.
1: Um, I don't know, but I didn't think the rest of the film was very well Anderson I think, I mean, quite... Yes, it was set in a hotel. It's Yes, yeah, oh. set in a hotel. Um, it's quite unified aesthetically, mm. I thought. It's kind of visually, I felt, split into two halves, which is the half in the hotel and the half in the woods. And then there are moments where they go to the city in between. Mm. And, yeah, I I don't really know what I make of it. I thought it was interesting. I like to see films like it, which are weird and make you think strange things. I don't know if I thought maybe it was a bit extreme, like... It depends whether you come away thinking, oh, that was a great comedy or like, oh, that was a film like with a message. Mm. If you, if it was trying to be a film with a message, then it was a bit heavy handed. If it's just trying to be a comedy, then I would have liked it to have been a little bit funnier.
2: Yeah, I have to say I felt the same. It sort of fell in between the two in a way that perhaps wasn't quite so successful. And it also definitely it sort of diminished in its comedy during the film I felt so like the first half where he's in this hotel and he's having to abide by all of these rules and you know he's having hilarious deadpan conversations with the staff for instance when David first checks in he has to complete this kind of questionnaire where he gets asked what is your sexual orientation
1: this really stuck with me as well yeah this
2: is what's your sexual orientation and he's like well you know mostly women but you know I have had a homosexual relationship and they're like you can be either heterosexual or homosexual but you have to decide now yeah he's Um, like
1: is there a bisexual option and they're like no we've had admin problems with that in the past <laughs> so <laughs> you have to pick one
2: it's all so completely cold and clinical yeah. and just like this isn't people's feelings they're talking about actually must give a shout out to um olivia coleman playing the hotel yeah, manager who was absolutely fantastic best thing in the film i mm. thought when she sort of interviews him and firstly asks him about the dog he's brought with him who it turns out is his brother who checked into the hotel two years ago but didn't find someone to fall in yeah, love quote with,
1: unquote didn't make it as they all say
2: and became a dog and she asks david has he decided what animal he wants to be he's like a lobster And he has a really complicated set of reasons why, which include, like, I like the sea, and they live for a really long time. When it was inside the hotel and there were all these kind of rules and alarms and strange interactions with other kind of inmates, I did find it funny, I was laughing, and I felt like riffing on the various sort of rules of the world was good. And then when he sort of escapes from the hotel and goes to live in the woods, it all sort of fell apart a bit for me.
1: I mean, this is a fairly violent film, though all the violence is implied. You don't really see very much violence actually happening. Yeah, it's kind of gross, though. Yeah, but you see a lot of blood and a lot yeah. of like people moaning in pain and that kind of thing for me when the violence got a bit extreme that's when I kind of like lost my ability to laugh a bit and maybe that's, my, that's something about me as a viewer rather than the, a problem with the film because obviously a lot of people like to have that film experience mm. where they feel uncomfortable but they also know it's funny but for me there was a line in it in the second half of the film where they're all hiding out away from the hotel in the woods where you see two people who've been a victim of a punishment oh, in the yeah. wood and they talk about another punishment that could have happened to them and that's all it is it's just a line saying oh well it's not as bad as this punishment and it was so gross that i was like i can't i've lost my ability to engage now from this point onwards yeah
2: actually that's a good point i i felt the same although i hadn't pinpointed it to that moment but you're absolutely right that's what it was and the people in the film the whole way through i had this sense that they look like people but they don't behave entirely like people in that they are much quicker to violence than you feel like people in this world would be in the same situation.
1: Maybe, but it probably is a comment on the situation of, like, if people regulate your emotions, do you become increasingly volatile? Which is Mm. probably true.
2: And I suppose also it's quite opaque as a film, so it's quite hard, at least I found it quite hard, to discern anybody's motive. So, like, the group that he joins in the woods, they're sort of the antithesis of what's going on in the hotel because they call themselves the loners, and although initially you can tell he feels like he's free, he's escaped from the hotel, actually he's just joined another group with as many rules, but they're just Mm -hmm. the opposite of the other rules. So in that group, Everyone has to be alone all the time. You're allowed to be friendly and sort of companionable with other people. And you're allowed to kind of help each other in a purely platonic sense. But there can be no romantic attachment at all. If there's any evidence of flirting, whatever, you get punished. And hence the punishment that you mentioned. Because they live out in the woods. And just their their life is a lot more sort of brutal and kind of elemental. And it feels like they're a lot closer to the harsh truth of life. So like they all dig their own graves. Mm. They decide where they want to be buried when the time comes and they dig their own graves and stuff like that. And that is interesting. But also the the sort of the leader of this group, she seems to have an agenda, but I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because essentially the difference between the hotel and the woods, as you say, they're the same and that they have the same strict ideologies about relationships except one has this whole backing of, like, bureaucracy. Yeah. And then one doesn't. It just seems to be this leader implementing her own thoughts. It's much more of a dictatorship. Mm. And for that reason can be much more unpredictable. Mm. And so sometimes you see her... You never see this, but, you know, you know that she's given people quite violent punishments. And then for the characters that we care about, she doesn't seem to do that. She seems to just do much weirder stuff, crueler stuff.
2: David, Colin Farrell's character, he gradually falls in love with Rachel Weisz's character in the woods. She's also a loner who lives on her own. They've bonded over the fact that they're both short-sighted.
1: So she takes... Well, bonded is like they basically to have a relationship, you have to share a, quote, defining characteristic.
2: Yes, that's the rule of the world in and, both and sides. His, on both sides. Yeah,
1: and his defining characteristic is short-sightedness
2: yeah and there's another couple the character that Ben Whishaw plays um, his defining characteristic is that he has a limp
1: yes and he um, falls in love with a character whose defining characteristic is that she has nosebleeds so he
2: has to pretend to have nosebleeds so he pretends to have
1: nosebleeds so yeah. they have something in common and can and can be an official couple and
2: actually one of the sweetest bits of the film is when when a new lot of people are, quite in the beginning when a new lot of people arrive at the hotel and uh, one of <laughs> one of his sort of mates he's made is like oh I think I saw a woman with a limp and he's like it's just a sprained ankle. She'll be better in a few days. <laughs> and like, oh, and, that's a shame. And, he, and, and he's so sad about it. But yeah, so you that have to... That made me
1: laugh so much as well. The first time he was, someone said, my defining characteristic is I've got a limp. Yeah. <laughs> Which made me laugh. So I love the idea of going around being like, my defining characteristic is I'm obsessed with One Direction. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. But it's not... Uh, you'd, pro- you'd probably have to be like, that I have brown hair it seems to have that's why i said
1: i would i would if if it was me forced to come down to it i'd be like yeah my defining characteristic is that i have two ears yeah then i would definitely find a partner (laughs) yeah
2: it's you wouldn't want to go too specific there were bits and i noticed at the beginning the credits because it's very much a kind of it's not a like a big studio movie this like it's sort of been backed by lots of different smaller production companies and things some of the money has come from canal plus in in france i don't know whether this is a good or bad thing but i did Had the thought popped into my head about halfway through i was like this film is very french yeah like not i don't mean in the sense that it was set in france it wasn't set in ireland um and it did have some french actors in it, but it wasn't that it was just the the sort of strange gnomic quality of it yeah and, and the the use of music in it the kind of um quite bold like low cello sound and stuff like that and very little other sort of background music somehow and and just the sheer randomness of like this is a very french film
1: it was kind of trying to be a french art house film right Uh, that's kind of the vibe that i Mm. got from it i do think to its credit the the stuff at the beginning the first half i did find really funny yeah i was laughing and that
2: was clever writing a lot of those deadpan lines especially delivered by someone like olivia coleman were really funny
1: and it is nice to see a film that does it is strange like that and does yeah. make you a bit uncomfortable and does make you think like what are they trying to say here mm. i mean i'm still not sure <laughs> i still don't
2: know and i'm not sure i ever will be um yeah i suppose i don't know why i i have this lingering sense of disappointment about it i don't know what i wanted it to be that it wasn't yeah i think um, maybe
1: because it did start when something starts better than it mm. ends perhaps that can be a bit disappointing. Can I also shout out to the two men behind me in the cinema who were watching it and kept saying stuff that was happening on screen, but like five minutes after everyone else had realised that that was about to happen? I had a really good bit of audience interaction in my screening when it doesn't really
2: end this film; it just sort of like cuts to black at a random point. Yeah. About 15 minutes after I decided that I was ready for it to end, yeah, he <laughs> did that. Um, and then as soon as it cut to black, there was kind of whenever there's a sudden ending in a film, there was like this kind of slightly shocked silence in the cinema. Yes, the the Um, audience
1: are forced to wake themselves from there.
2: And the man at the end of my row just went really loudly. That was fucking weird. (laughs) There was no, like, tutting or sense of disapproval. There was just this kind of murmur of assent in the cinema. And I was like, Mm. what what that guy said. It was indeed fucking weird.
1: Yeah, I've... I don't know, I'm kind of... I'm very conflicted about this film. I'm not sure I would watch it again, for instance. No, I don't think I'd watch it again. But also, weirdly, I wouldn't be like, yeah, I really enjoyed that film. Like, Mm -mm. that's not the right word. But I would still probably recommend it to people because... I think it's an interesting film to decide whether you like or not, even if I'm not sure that I did like it, like, loads. Yeah, that's true. Also, it is marketing itself as a, quote, hilarious comedy. Yes, which is interesting. Which is not quite how it, obviously, but it's hard to market yourself as, like, quote, fucking weird, end quote. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, Although, actually, something I did think when I was walking home from the cinema is, would I feel differently about this film if it had subtitles?
1: Because then you'd be like, this is a serious Because then I'd be like, this
2: is a serious foreign film. Yeah, maybe. You know, if it was, like, in Polish or something. Yeah, I don't maybe, know. maybe we would. Yeah.
1: So I would say go out there, listeners, and discover it and see yeah, what and your opinion is. Um,
2: and let us know if you have any better idea what it's about. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the second part of today's podcast we're going to talk about lord Goth wonder girl lord (laughs) she's had a new song out in the last few weeks with Disclosure called magnets with a suitably moody video that I really enjoyed. Yeah,
2: I, oh, I love her videos.
1: Yeah, she's re- she's great. I love the way she dances in mm. all her videos. So we just thought that was a good excuse to kind of talk about our love for Lord. Yeah. So Caroline, should we start with the video? What did you think of her recent video?
2: I really liked it. As I say, I I can't think of actually a, a single video of hers that I've seen that I don't really like. No. I like how. <sighs> How kind of alone she is in them and how self-contained i just like seeing women doing what they do on their own and really enjoying it in a way that like as much as i you know i like good dance routines or whatever just having a woman on her own up there really I and really she dances
1: that. by herself in a lot yeah, of her videos which she dances is really nice by herself
2: like is it maybe the video for royals where she's like standing in the middle of the road i think that's yellow Beat. is that beat? yellow flicker beat where she's is-
1: she's sort of standing in the middle of the road just like singing into the dark yeah, on the edge of the road that's such a great and movie. i really really like that she's committed to that as well which is something i really like to see i like to see a pop star in general who's like really committed to a vibe mm. you kind of know what you're getting with lord even though she still can surprise you like that her most recent video surprised me a bit you kind of have a sense of what you want from a lord video you want mm. it to be moody you want crazy dancing by herself and just like being in charge of her own emotions and not really caring what people around her are thinking and this most
2: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose
1: one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. video is part of like a whole line, I think, of videos lately of women pop stars who are hit girls. Yeah. <laughs> so that's basically the yeah. plot of this video is it looks like a cheating narrative.
0: Off Mulholland, he was talking I was wondering about you and that girl She your girlfriend, face from heaven with the world she don't know
1: So you have Lord and this guy at a party kind of exchanging sexy looks and then you see that this guy's got a girlfriend and then they're like making out in his house really like enthusiastically and then there's a moment in the video where you see that the guy's girlfriend has got like a black eye and that's like the turn of the video Mm. and then you realise that the girlfriend has hired Lord to kind of seduce him and eventually kill him. And it ends with her like pushing him into a pool and then setting a light, some oil on the top of the pool surface. Mm. And he's kind of like tied to a chair at the bottom. Yeah,
2: it's definitely, I feel like it fits in with Rihanna's bitch, Better Have My Money.
1: Although I wasn't
2: a massive fan of it, Taylor Swift's Bad Blood video. Yeah, as, Bad
1: Blood, which I think was like the rubbish version. That was this. the rubbish
2: version, which incidentally, sorry, brief sidebar on Bad Blood. I cannot look at without thinking this is exactly the same as the Cameron Diaz, Charlie Angels film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like women, like skinny women wearing black leather things with like lots of fire that yeah. they're walking away from. It's it's just the, yeah, it's the, it's McGee, kind of the pits, Charlie Angels it? film from the early noughties.
1: Yeah, well, mm. I, and there's also been a couple more. So do you know Ellie Goulding, someone, it's very bitch better have my money. It's like some guy and they like take all his money at the end, but there's no real violence in that one. Mm. Demi Lovato's just done one where she's like up against this other woman, and then you realise it's not actually about the other woman, and that they're like in a pact. So it's like got a very similar turn to all, all these videos have a similar kind of turn in the in the halfway through. Yeah,
2: there's a kind of female solidarity through violence yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah
1: exactly which although bad blood is the one that doesn't doesn't have that turn and doesn't have that no. surprising maybe which is one well, of the it's reasons not it's to... not not so great and i think also maybe perhaps we're stretching to if we say that rihanna's bitch better have my money is female solidarity through violence because that, that woman is sort of thrown under the bus essentially yeah but, but she, she does look she, like she's having fun she by does, the
2: yeah and also she has her like two like helper yeah, people who yeah. are very much the like, gang the gal yeah, gang yeah, with her Without wanting to sort of read too much into it, why do we reckon that this trend is emerging now?
1: Well, I think in the same way that feminism kind of became a bit of a trend and like Beyonce was like, yeah, feminism with her banner behind it. Beyonce, I do think, has you know proper feminist credentials. I'm not trying to Mm. patronise her understanding of feminism. You know, all that kind of stuff where it was like, yeah, kind of like girl power trend. I think in that same way, that kind of joke misandry has become a very popular thing to do and be like, oh yeah, lol, kill all men, I don't really mean it, blah, blah, blah. And I think that this is kind of an aesthetic extension of that being Mm. like, oh, yeah, let's just like shoot the guy in this video. And also it's a chance for women to have those kinds of videos because it is like in some genres of music, it's pretty common to have a narrative where you're like some big criminal, basically. Like that's not that unusual. It's nice to see women doing this, but to varying degrees of success. And I actually think the Lord one was probably... One of the best ones. I think apart from Rihanna's, I think Lord's was one of the best because. Yeah, I agree with that. You buy it from her a lot more, don't you? Because she is, in a sense, like Rihanna, she is someone whose success is predicated on your idea of her being in control of her image and her being a little bit dark Mm. and being experimental and being someone who might sing about violence in the same way that her video might contain violence. There's something notable, I think, about the other videos in which they're lyrically clearly about something else and the violence is just like something that they've added in for the video mm. and while that might be actually the case in this most recent Lord song because it is about you know two people meeting in the lyrics there is something in the rest of Lord's kind of lyrical output you have that expectation almost for a strain of violence in there somewhere even if she's yeah. just using it as metaphor and stuff she does engage with those kinds of concepts so I think it's just a bit more convincing
2: yeah I'd agree with that and also I think the as you say the fact that you don't know everything about the video at the beginning mm Is always, because I mean, music videos are, I feel like they're they're increasingly longer these days, actually, especially the ones that have a whole kind of short film narrative around them. But they're still, we're talking like five, six minutes. Yeah. But within that time, it's perfectly possible to surprise and shock and tell a story and all this stuff. And the best videos do that. Boring music videos are the ones where I can tell what the entire six minutes is going to be like from the first like five frames rihanna's one and lord's one i mean as you mentioned lord's one's got this kind of pivot in the middle when you see her black eye and you realize actually what's going on rihanna's one's got multiple ones in like i'm thinking particularly of the that motif that we talked about i think on the podcast before of the legs in the trunk
1: oh yeah like, like that. right at the
2: beginning you don't know yeah you, even if you approach that video having read some of the coverage
1: of it you'd think it would be think a dead, body, body, in a dead body, trunk. body when actually it's rihanna like you yeah know. And, but also the, the main turn in that is probably when when you realise she's not after this woman, she's after the woman's yeah, husband.
2: Yeah, and the money, basically. Yeah. yeah, So I think the best examples of this trend and, and of just music videos generally take the viewer a bit more seriously and imagine that maybe they
1: can understand more than one concept in the space of a six-minute film. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, probably why those two are the more successful ones. But yeah, what do you think about Lord in general? Because I love her. I just think yeah, she's brilliant.
2: I'm massively pro her. I know Royals was such a big song, but it's... It's really not my favourite No, I think that often
1: happens in that, like, I was always a big Arctic Monkeys fan growing up and I never really got behind I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor and it's Mm -hmm. not really like the rest of their output. I don't really like One Direction, What Makes You Beautiful. (laughs) Like, they're often the first single... Maybe it's just because you hear it so many times, but I think it cannot be as good as some of the other stuff. I still think Royals has got like some really great lyrics in. It is a good
2: song. One of my sort of like favourite YouTube procrastinating things is like acoustic versions of mm. Lorde songs. And there are, both by her and by other people, there are some really nice
1: acoustic covers of that song.
2: Because I I don't know, maybe just the final edit version of it was, was a bit more produced than I like from her. Mm. I don't know.
1: Uh, one of the things I really love about Lorde as well is that you don't you couldn't really ever just li- sit down and listen to one Lorde song. In the way that you might like sit down and listen to a Drake song. Like I can sit and listen to Hotline Bling maybe 30 times and not want to go and like listen to the rest of Drake's output necessarily. Whereas with Lord, if you listen to one of her songs, she gets you in such a specific atmosphere. She's really good at just evoking that kind of like outsidery feel of like watching other people have fun mm. and getting you into that kind of mindset that you then want to listen to all her other songs. And I, I love listening to that Pure Heroin album. Yeah, just, same. I can listen to it like four times in a row and it really just like changes the way I look at things and stuff when I'm listening to it. I think it's a really evocative and cool thing that she's managed to produce something that's so kind of unified sonically. It's mm. really, really nice.
2: That album is, I think, one of the best of the last few years in terms of you know that general thing that gets harped about in music criticism all the time about people don't make albums anymore; they just make yeah, they just make songs, they which is something they've been saying since
1: like 1959. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. but, um it's recently blaming you know downloading that well people just want to pay 79p for one song or they want to listen to one song on Spotify. They don't want to you know sit down and wear their jumper and listen to the whole vinyl or whatever mm. it is that music critics. But I feel like she's such a perfect reply to that. It's like, no, actually, I made this, and you should listen to it all the way through. Yeah,
1: and I remember before she that album even came out, she had this a kind of mixtape. I can't remember what it was called now, and it's got like her surrounded by some like flowers as a drawing on the cover. That as well was really like unified, Mm. even though it was only kind of like five songs. So I'm really excited to see what she produces next because you kind of know it's going to... Because she's obviously had other songs out. She's had Yellow Flicker Beat yeah. for the Hunger Games movie. She's done this with Disclosure. I really like that. That's one of my favourite Lord songs. Yellow Which Flickr one? The, yeah, Yellow yeah, Flickr it's yeah. so good. Uh, she, again, also, someone, have
2: you have you heard the Kanye remix of that? no it is amazing
1: oh how fun have you heard her because she did a cover of kanye's hold my liquor because you wouldn't think that that would translate to like a 16 year old girl singing that on stage and it does so amazingly and it's so dark the way she does it oh it's so great
2: but yeah, yeah. no there's a um because i was just browsing on her youtube channel you know yeah she's uploaded like a, a kanye re- and he's i don't know how he's done it he's clearly well he's genius obviously but like he's mixed her vocals a lot higher
1: right and and just made it sound a lot like crunchier I don't know that sounds fun it's really good yeah I'll definitely listen to that oh my god imagine a, a proper like Kanye Lord collab would be so good because Jesus, mm. that kind of like really again unified troubling dark vein through that album mm. you kind of get that a bit although they're obviously very different sounding albums in her stuff I'm a
0: princess cut from marble Smoother than the storm And the scars that mark my body They're silver and gold My blood is a fly, the these precious stones it keeps my veins high the fire's found a home in me I'll move through town I'm quiet like a fire
2: So last week I recommended Anna the BBC sitcom As Time Goes by starring Judy Dench and Jeffrey Palmer. Anna, what did you think of this?
1: Yeah, it's really funny. Yay, <laughs> really I'm funny. so glad you like this. I There are things that I like and things that I don't like, though. For example, to explain this the first episode setup, up, which weirded me out, <laughs> <is> <laughs> there's a woman called Jean who runs a secretary agency and she sends out her girls to different people to do secretary work. Her daughter's essentially a partner or deputy in the business. And she has a difficult... Not necessarily a difficult client or customer, but basically one of the secretaries on the books does a bad job with a novelist who's working on his book. The daughter, Judith, goes to see this guy to kind of be like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. To, like, smooth things over, basically. Uh, we'll get someone who's really, really brilliant, our best girl, We have, no- and she's kind of like, you know, we have no idea how this person slipped through the uh, slipped through the net. We normally only have excellent secretaries, et cetera. And then it, during the course of the conversation he asks her out for dinner and they go out for this dinner and she he goes to pick her up from her house where she lives with her mom And there's a kind of moment of, like, recognition between Jean and Lionel, the guy that she's going on this date with. And then they go out for dinner and he sort of asks her quite a bit about her mum. And Judith's a bit like, why do you keep asking me about my mum? And then he's like, oh, okay, maybe I thought I recognised her from somewhere. And then it turns out that they've had, like, this massive romance and haven't seen each other for years because Lionel got sent to Korea in the 50s and never wrote. But it turns out he did write. The letter just didn't make it. It was saying... Here's how to reach me. This is my address. So he thinks that Jean never wrote. So they're like, Oh, our romance lost over this letter. And it's never like, Oh, okay. Well, now we'll get back together at all. They just then start appearing in their lives. But the bit that I don't like is this strain where it's like Judith, the daughter is kind of, is like hitting on Lionel all the time and he kind of fancies yeah, her back. Weird. And like, it's just kind of like, accepted that it would be okay and normal for someone's daughter to date their mum's ex which to, i'm just like this is not normal it's awful to Stop be it. fair
2: they drop that after the first series because it's obviously awful yeah
1: it's so weird um,
2: but yeah that is a, a really weird strain of it
1: yeah so that's the bit those are the bits that i like the least all the kind of jokes about like oh she's got nice legs i hate mm. I hated all those bits but to counter that, the bits that I really liked were all the bits where Jean, Judy Dench, goes on like a feminist bent. Which happens quite regularly. She does that quite a lot. And I loved all those moments. So she, because she's obviously like a very successful businesswoman. And like, there's a running thread that the secretaries who work for her think she's really harsh and call her nicknames like Iron drawers. So she's often going on little rants to kind of defend herself or, you know, she'll keep in check Lionel's kind of like flirting with her daughter by, you know, saying, she's just very good on like getting on her soapbox and being like well it's okay for you because you're a man and those were my favorite bits because they're really funny but they're also you're also like yes that's so true
2: (laughs) and and that's actually why i came to like it incidentally because that Mm. that doesn't go away in future series but it gets applied to more and more different subjects so like spoiler alert for a thing that was on 25 years ago um (laughs) she and lionel do eventually get back together
1: no way
2: and and their relationship moves at a kind of glacial pace and so everything that happens so like them moving in together, him wanting her to like retire so they can spend more time together, all of these things really get analysed by her character and talked about and discussed. And they're all issues of how do you handle a relationship where you as the woman are the most successful professionally and financially and Mm. you own the house that you live in. And, you know, he feels inadequate because of that, you know how do you deal with the fact that your partner wants you to give up work but you really don't want to because you... so all of this gets kind of talked about in a way that I'd never seen on television when I first yeah watched this and it also I saw it as repeats on I don't know some random channel probably when I was <laughs> when I was in my teens and it just so happened that I started watching it at the point when my mum had been made redundant from her job and my sister was still quite little and she was deciding whether she wanted to look for another job or not or oh, whether she wanted to do something else she eventually decided she wanted to go back to college and like do some more training and stuff and do something else But it felt like the kind of discussions that were happening in my house were reflected on television. That always draws you to something, you know. There's a
1: really nice scene, actually, where Lionel and Jean are out for dinner and someone comes in and she's like, oh, hello. And then she's like, oh, I used to I used to know that guy. And he was like, really? Did you know him well? She's like, oh, well, he proposed to me, actually. And he's like, why did you say no? And she's like, how do you know I said no? And he's like, well, you'd be over there with him if you'd said yes, presumably. So (laughs) I just assumed you said no. like." And then he's like, well, I guess he's handsome. She says something like, Why do you think I would have married him? And he's like, Oh, for the security. Jean says, Security? I've got security like I've built my life I've got my house I've got my money like I've got security I want I don't want security from a man I want you know something rather more exciting than that Mm. and I thought that was the kind of assumption that because she's like a middle-aged to old woman that she wouldn't want excitement or you know sexual attraction Yeah, like a romantic partner yeah she'd want security I liked getting rid of that assumption immediately
2: yeah what did you think of the character of Alistair
1: he's after gene
2: so he's lionel's publisher yeah. and he's much younger and yeah he he's after gene in a improbable way also they drop that storyline quite swiftly because yeah because he's, he's
1: much younger in quotation marks but he's not that young like yeah there's a lot of jokes about him being a toy boy but he's not that young yeah he was annoying <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah he exactly. doesn't get less annoying no he was really annoying and then there's like i assume this doesn't happen but they kind of try and pair him off with judith oh no that happens oh does it because it's like they get married in the end. No, really? Yeah. And so i rubbish. mean by the
2: end, the end. So like, because this ran for lots and lots of series. Then it stopped and they did various like specials. And I think one of the spe- subsequent specials was like their wedding.
1: Oh, well, that surprises me because they didn't seem particularly compatible. I thought it was kind of like a joke oh, he... that they were like, oh, we'll just pair them off together to get them away no, from he, us. He changes quite a lot, actually. Okay. That's part of the like arc of that story. But yeah, that is character where... development. Yeah, that is where it ends up okay well that's weird
2: but he's, yeah I... he's so 80s i love how 80s he is he's yeah. constantly like showing off his car phone
1: they've all got like 80s hair yes and, and like there's a lot of kind of i don't know diana-esque curtains and things. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah no i did i i really enjoyed all those moments where judy dench made me like yeah judy dench you say it you say
2: it <laughs> so yeah a good show Good, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So I am going on holiday to the Outer Hebrides, yay. So there will be no podcast next week, because it's quite hard to do that when I'm in the Outer Hebrides and Anna is not. There'll be no podcast next week. The next one will be on the 9th of November. So for the 9th of November, Anna, what are you going to recommend me to do?
1: So I feel like this thing has come up in conversation quite a lot on the podcast, probably because I'm just obsessed with it. But I'm going to recommend you, Chris Krause's I Loved It. We were talking about it because it's sort of just appeared on my desk recently because they're finally publishing it in the UK. My copy's one that I had sent over from the states, but now we've got a nice, shiny new edition with a nice cover that says "I love Dick" in massive block letters, which <laughs> is nice. And yeah, yeah, I'm gonna read that in public in the highly religious you Outer Hebrides. <laughs> you I read it on holiday with my boyfriend's family, so that was kind of awkward. But yeah, it's basically a book, just to put the title in context a little bit, it's about Chris Krause, who is the author and the kind of lead character in it, because it's kind of fictionalised, but also based on her real life. Her and her husband meets this man called Dick, and she basically becomes obsessed with him and starts writing him letters. And that's the premise, but it obviously goes in weird and crazy directions, and... I think you'll really enjoy it. It can be, it's quite theoretical in parts, so it can be a little heavy going sometimes, but I have no doubt that you'll manage that fine and, and hopefully enjoy it. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman.
2: If you enjoy what we do, you might want to consider following us on Twitter at SRSLYpod. We post links to things we've mentioned in the show, GIFs we like and all manner of other things you'll probably enjoy.